Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide. Last week, esports team Panda Global, known for focusing mainly on 1v1 games like Super Smash Bros. and Street Fighter, launched a Kickstarter for a new pro-level GameCube controller. This controller was made to address the inconsistencies that Smash players face when hunting down a weapon of choice. As of recording, the Kickstarter has surpassed $1.2 million. And just to note at the top of the show, Panda Global did also announce a Smash circuit in conjunction with Nintendo last month. Panda Global can't speak towards this circuit just yet, so we won't be discussing it on this episode. Joining me today is Dr. Alan Bonet, CEO of Panda Global and Chairman of Panda Hardware, and Matt Samperi, President of Panda Hardware. Alan, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Uh, so Matt, before we get started, well, I mean, first of all, congratulations to both of you for launching such a successful Kickstarter. I mean, within a few days, you've already, already passed uh, $1 million. I mean, was that at all even an expectation when going into this? I mean, it was certainly a hope. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, 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 with the market research that we had, I thought if we could really nail this thing, uh, we might surpass a million by the end of the Kickstarter. Um, I don't think there was any models that, that we built where we do that in 49 hours. So uh, that was certainly a surprise. Yeah, seeing within like eight hours or so being around 500, that, was, that, that kind of blew my mind at the support we got from the community. That was really cool. Yeah, you know, I I noticed that the initial goal was a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, <laughs> was that made to be as conservative as possible, or was there a strategy behind it, or do you guys wish you actually made the goal like two million dollars? Well, that's uh, that's Kickstarter metagaming, uh, unfortunately. So uh, the metagame right now, Kickstarter, is to have so somewhat of a lower attainable goal because people aren't as uh, uh, keen on backing Kickstarter uh, that isn't one hundred percent funded. Uh, you know, the, the, they lack confidence that it could actually become a thing until after it's fully funded. Uh, so right. the, the current metagame is to do a, a lower uh, number and achieve that quickly uh, so people, you know, feel confident in the product uh, and go from there. So uh, we were able to produce the, the controllers uh, at the 100K. So, you know, it did work for us. But uh, the number itself was, was more about the, uh, the metagame than anything else. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, beyond that, let, let me actually get into my uh, first questions about the controller itself. And um, Matt, you know, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the controller, do explain to maybe some of the listeners that are new into the Smash scene or don't know much about what players face with the current game controller. Explain why it's such a challenge for players to hunt down that perfect GameCube controller. Oh, geez. Uh, that is a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> So there's a number of things that are that I don't want to say wrong with a GameCube controller, but it's a 20 year old controller one, um, and it the the current waves of it that occasionally get released are not the same quality level as the ones that maybe were released five or ten years ago. So there are parts in the considerably like the stick box um, that are in the newer, more, most recent released wave that are not nearly as good as the older ones. Uh, so pe modders and people are hoarding and looking for these older controllers that have been either slightly used or very rarely are out of the box new and taking them apart to try to put them into newer controllers um, so that uh, they can just have a nicer clean shell but have all the good parts of the old ones. And that ends up costing like 300, 400 bucks occasionally. So it's not only limiting 
who can actually get these controllers by cost, but there's also just a rarity and a scarcity to it. Um, so there's just such a big need for people who actually want to be able to play competitively with something with a good tool uh, to have something more available. And, you know, Alan, you're a medical doctor. I mean, what are some of the ergonomic challenges that players have faced with the standard GameCube controller? Uh, well, to be honest, the game controller was never, I think, quite designed for the way that uh, that competitive players really end up using it. Uh, there are grips like the claw grip uh, that people uh, sort of use two fingers on the front for each hand uh, in order to, to do some techniques in Smash. And it's terrible. It, it is terrible for the hands uh, to do things like this, uh, to use the game controller in these ways. So, uh, you know, when we set out to do this, we really thought, okay, how can we also solve hand pains? Now, don't get me wrong. I can't solve hand pains after someone you know does twelve-hour play sessions, you know, four days in a row. Like they need to, they need to take breaks, uh, you know, and, and stretch, and uh, you know, uh, accordingly take care of their own bodies. Uh, but uh, you know, at the very least, we could do things to alleviate uh, stuff like the claw grips. Uh, and uh, you know, a big way of doing that was the back buttons. That's why we mapped them to X and Y, uh, you know, as default. Uh, is because that would allow people who do the claw grips to not need to do that anymore. Uh, it's for a much more uh, ergonomic and comfortable grip. Uh, and then also the different shells. Uh, you know, the GameCube controller shape is, let's be honest, out of date compared to modern controllers. Um, you know, all modern controllers, uh, PlayStation, you know, Xbox, uh, my, uh, Nintendo, they all have more uh, sort of form-fitting and fuller grips uh, for a reason. Um, and so that's why we decided to also create something that would swap shapes uh, on the fly as well. Uh, so, you know, people that like the original, uh, you know, uh, GameCube style can use that. But if you want to swap to the sort of larger grip that is on the Pro Shell, that is way more ergonomic as well. Uh, your hands can rest in it. Your The angles that your fingers actually interface with the controller is, is different and, again, more ergonomic too. Uh, so uh, these were all considerations when creating all the different customization features and the different advanced features uh, of the controller. Mm -hmm. But, you know, still, like, a lot of the design is very reminiscent of a GameCube controller. I feel that some players are going to be doing the same techniques that they did that caused those hand pains. For example, um, you know, things like uh, wave dashing in certain ways or... Um, what is the technique where you rock your thumb between, like, let's say, the Y and B button really quickly? I mean, will this really uh, address some of those things that p players tend to do that might have been alleviated if the button placement was a little different? Without a doubt. Um, wave shining, which is uh, the yes. technique I believe you're, you're referring to here. Um, the back buttons being mapped to jump, being mapped to X and Y. Uh, means exactly what you're talking about. The the quick movement between X and Y isn't as necessary um, because you can use that back finger. And we ended up using smooth buttons, aka bald buttons, uh, which you know came as a recommendation from the modder community, uh, so that if the player chooses to continue doing that uh, technique the same way, their fingers can slip from one button to the next faster, more comfortably. Um, so it's designed to to uh, be able to move very quickly between them. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of the modder community, and I guess this question is to either either uh, yeah. person who can answer this question is that it's become a very rich um, community that's with with a lot of players essentially creating their own like side businesses, modifying controllers for for players, and I I feel the panda controller does solve or is aiming to solve all issues or most issues that players face. I mean, will 
<laughs> Will your new controller kind of phase out this uh, side modder community? So I'll take this one. Our uh, our, our goal, uh, one of our big goals in this was to make it easier for modders to interface with controllers. We We know that even if we strive to create the perfect controller, we can't think of everything. There's nobody who could think of everything to make it perfect. And people will find things that they want to improve on it. Modders will definitely find things they want to make better or change. And we wanted to give them kind of a sandbox to be able to play with and go as far as they can with. So we made a lot of designed a lot of our features around making it easier for people to get access to certain features, to, to the circuit board, to to whatever, and make it easy to swap and, and modify uh, because people are going to come up with things that we couldn't even dream of. Um, for instance, the removable shells, like we've made a system where you can change the entire shape of the controller. Um, modders could design their own shell shapes, and that would be awesome. We in no way want to take their business away. We want to give them more things to do because... Some of the stuff they make is incredible. It is is just so cool to see what they come up with. Um, so we really want to support that community, um, not even just functional mods, but the the artistic mods that people do. Um, like we we gave them a blank canvas in in essence to to make whatever art they want, um, and that that was part of our goal. We wanted to support that. Uh, you know, one thing that I do see a lot of modders do is create notches around uh, the stick gates and i noticed that your controller doesn't have those notches uh why is that uh the reason because uh, that we're doing that is because it's insanely hard to actually precisely make a notch um and that's why it's kind of a, a science and an art that notches are doing um they have to be really really precise about it uh if we wanted to mass produce a notch uh the the process behind that is one expensive to make a mold for that part um We'd have to make a mold for every single different notch that people want for a mm. key. And two, it takes a lot of time and revision to make sure that it's precise enough for people to actually be able to hit the correct inputs. Um, that combined with a feature that was one of our stretch goals that we're going to be adding notch calibration does make it a little bit easier to do. But still, it, there there is a technique and an art to it. And uh, th there are people who have been doing this for years and know what they're doing. And um, it's very hard to replicate that in mass production standards. Uh, on top of that, we do want to make it also easier for them. Uh, so we, uh, yeah. Matt has developed a stand uh, that will be, uh, it's 3D printable, uh, that we're going to give the files to for notchers. Uh, so they can print it out and, and it's a lot easier to notch just the gate as our gates are removable uh, than the whole shell like they used to have to do. Uh, so the hope is that their job gets easier uh, as well. Oh. Yeah, it gets easier and a lot less expensive because finding a good uh, GameCube shell is is hard and they cost a lot of money for them because there's only so many of them. Uh, and if they mess up a notch while they're making it because it's, it's a high scrap rate process, like they lose that shell and that's expensive mm -hmm. in time. Um, and if we're mass producing these small plastic gates, it's easy for them to access. It's less expensive and they don't have to worry as much about messing up. On another big bonus about that is artwork. A lot of people have a nice artwork on their shells, and because of that, they can't risk notching it because having somebody spending $200 on artwork, you don't want that shell to be scrapped when somebody notches it. Having them separated from the shells, um, having the gates separated from the shells, I mean, makes it so they can have whatever art they want on a controller that has gates with different notches, and they don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And the gates can be swapped out with the same tool that's uh, 
that comes with each controller, correct? Yes. Uh, so you guys have really, really thought this one through. You know, one question I do have is, so I know that the Smash community has created essentially like, you know, custom builds of Melee or custom memory cards that essentially interface with the game to essentially make like, you know, certain techniques like shield dropping and whatnot more consistent. Now, I do know that uh, Nintendo, which is the publisher of Super Smash Brothers, can get a little finicky around any kind of like software manipulation as it feels it might like infringe on its IP, um, which then, you know, causes this kind of conflict between like a game that has these kind of like baked in inconsistencies, whether it be on the controller side or the game side. Um, and a need for the game to be as consistent as possible for competitive play. Now, I mean, does the controller that you're creating, since it's kind of a hardware solution versus a software solution, does it solve for like some of the inconsistencies found in the game just by because it's a uh, more consistent product all around? Um, yes, for a lot of these things, that is that is the case. Uh, it, you know, you wouldn't need uh, as nearly as many uh, modifications to the game. Uh, because of our controller is just higher quality. And a lot of the, the changes they did uh, were to uh, avoid what they call the controller lottery. Uh, the controller lottery is where, uh, you know, exactly as Matt said, you'd have to buy a controller and you never know what the quality of the controller really is. Uh, so players sometimes buy a controller and then immediately if I see it, they play with it and say, oh, this is not good and throw it away. So you had to get the perfect controller, and who knows how long that would last for. Uh, so uh, a lot of those sort of modifications they would make in the game were so that the, the variation between controllers wasn't as dramatic. Well, if you mass produce a controller that uh, doesn't have those variations and solves for all those issues uh, you know, that they're talking about, that is also flexible uh, you know, as wear and tear happens, they can continue doing that, then you don't need those modifications. Uh, you know, but there are some modifications that are state aware, uh, meaning uh, they, they detect something that is going on in the game and they do that. Uh, and that is much different. Um, nothing can solve for that. Uh, but those aren't as necessary to, to the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, what were some of the things that the controller just could not solve? Uh, things like dashback uh, is very difficult. Um, and that's where Pode comes in, uh, which is... Uh, a type of emulation. Um, there is a dash back of crouch as well that it fixes too. Um, these are all sort of melee specific issues um, because that game is extraordinarily precise. Um, and uh, uh, there's also a difficulty with third party controllers with the polling rates uh, where uh, they they have lag on them, uh, whereas the the stock GameCube controllers have zero input lag. Uh, so we, uh, rather Matt, uh, spent a very long time uh, developing that and working on it and, and made sure that it's zero lag, uh, you know, and that, that it, uh, it responds extremely quickly. So there's a lot of those little things that uh, that we had to solve for. You know, I personally am a big uh, Splatoon 2 player. I, I oh really do enjoy that game. And would it is it would it be possible to essentially change out the gate for the second stick or put in a new stick altogether to have like a, you know, dual analog setup to play a game like Splatoon? Yes, I'm huge into Splatoon personally as well. Um, that, that's uh, another one of the reasons besides wanting to match a pro controller capabilities that we included gyroscope accelerometer for promotion. Um, but yeah, it, it, you could, in theory, have a, a gate that has a circular opening to it. Uh, they could be filed down or in, down the line. We could produce a circular gate that's easy to new. Um, and we could also um, swap out stick caps. We There's a the modern market already for stick caps is huge, um, but we could also make our own custom ones as well uh, to make it easier to do. Have you had a chance to try it out with Splatoon or any other games? 
Uh, I have mostly been sticking to testing it in Smash at the moment, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I have tried it out in Splatoon when I was testing out gyro functionality and everything, which is still, um, I, I don't want to say bare bones, but it's still in the process of getting more and more, um, more and more precise. We're just improving it. Uh, we don't want to put out a product that's sub-quality mm -hmm. or subpar quality. And, you know, it's, uh, well, I know that uh, you guys are partnering with Nintendo on the Smash uh, circuit, which we can't talk about just yet. But um, when it comes to this controller, did certain kind of licensing things have to be worked out with uh, Nintendo first? The only thing we can say right now is that uh, at the moment, the Panda controller is not a Nintendo licensed controller. Um, and uh, that's it. So mm -hmm. it is still early in development right now. Uh, and uh, the kids are, not, you know, we have to specify we're not selling the control right kickstarter is a, is a pledge you know people are are giving us uh, uh money for you know for the research and development uh you know while we are able to do market research and see just how many people wanted this um uh, and you know while we continue development and then we sort of promise to give them uh you know something in return uh that's what, what kickstarter more or less is rather than selling the product itself um and uh so you know we still have to uh do a lot more tweaking uh, the timeline that we provided is that, uh, you know, we hope by next December to begin fulfillment. Um, it may be more delayed than that. Uh, the world is a very strange place right now. Uh, you know, COVID uh, has caused a lot of supply chain difficulties. Uh, we've already had to deal with quite a few of them. Uh, so I hope the fans are, are okay and, uh, as long as we're transparent uh, that things may be delayed. Uh, and, you know, during this process, we're, we're getting input from uh, our partners uh, to uh, see if we can, you know, uh, achieve uh, something more with this and, and make this uh, an, a, even more official uh, across the board. Mm -hmm. I, I assume you guys are aiming to uh, create these things in China? Um, we are, uh, yeah, correct. There are parts, I, there's a lot of development overseas, a lot of development here. Um, but yeah, that's where they'd be manufactured out of. Uh, so, Alan, you're at CEO right now, and you have a prototype that players are testing out. Um, what has the current reaction been? The immediate reaction is, oh, this isn't as chunky as I thought. <laughs> I guess the, the 3D render uh, of it made people think it was like, like, a, like it was a big boy, uh, and it's not. Uh, it actually feels just like a GameCube controller, and it weighs pretty much just like a GameCube uh, controller does. Um, so everyone was very, very pleasantly surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm being a little unfair. Uh, when I put it in their hands for the first time, I make them use the Pro Shell um, because some aren't interested in the Pro Shell uh, in the beginning. Uh, but I mean, as soon as you do that, I, I thought I was going to hate it. Uh, you know, because I'm, I've, you know, I've been playing Smash. I, 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 uh, I remember when 64 came out, right? Like, so I've been playing Smash a long, long time. Um, so I prefer the GameCube controller because I've been using, you know, since Melee came out. Um, but the pro shell feels so nice in your hands. So I, I do that and immediate response is like, oh, 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 this is good. This is really comfortable. This feels great. And then they go straight for the stick. And, you know, that's really where, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, reputation, I think, is going to come from. Um, the first thing Matt did was, was sort of begin development of this stick box. Uh, and he's... You know, that was nearly three years ago. And even as recently as two weeks ago, he has made more enhancements to it. Like, the stick box is, is uh, a work of art, uh, honestly. And um, and when players get their, their hands on that, that 
is what really differentiates, uh, we feel, a third-party controller from a first-party controller uh, is that stick. Like when you get a cheap controller, when you move the control stick for the first time, it feels cheap, right? And and you can't really put to words exactly what that means. Uh, Matt can, I can't. Um, <laughs> but when someone uses uh, the panda controller, the, even the prototype, which is not even the final stick box, it's a near final, uh, which is even cooler. Uh, there's like, oh, this feels good. I just look at them and I'm like, what did you expect at Mad Cats? Like, what did you think this is going to be? <laughs> so um, I've been very, very uh, pleasantly surprised that the feedback has been nearly universally positive. If there's, if there's any negative feedback, it's just like, oh, I prefer this type of feel. And, then, and the response is always, well, we made it super easy to mod that exact feel that you want. Uh, you know, so if you want to go to a modder, it's going to be a very quick swap for them to get exactly the controller that, that you're looking for. Um, so, uh, and people have been very understanding of that too. Mm. You know, I think one thing that sets you guys apart versus any other accessory manufacturers is that you have a roster of professional Smash Bros players that can give you direct feedback and probably give you that direct feedback very honestly. Um, and I assume that uh, they overall like the controller, correct? Yeah. Um, IBW <laughs> uh, specifically. Uh, so we have melee players and we have ultimate players. Uh, you know, ultimate players are less picky. Uh, our melee players are pretty picky, but IBW mm-hmm. is considered one of the pickiest players uh, in all of melee. <laughs> uh, he's been competing for, I don't know, two, three years now, and he's gone through like 30, 40 controllers. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> horrifying. Yeah. yeah so. Like, uh, by going through, do you mean that like he's picked one up and then rejected it, or he's broken it? Broken it. Destroyed. Wow. <laughs> and he, he just got his like the best controller he's ever had, uh, which you know, happens a couple times a year uh, as controller technology gets better and better. Uh, and he tweeted out last night, "Oh, my controller broke." Oh well, I mean, <laughs> so uh, how, or did you just hand him a panda controller to use at the tournament? Is it even legal to use these in tournaments yet? <laughs> Not quite yet. Uh, and that was at home, so he didn't have to have to compete. Um, and. You know, until it's absolutely perfect, um, and we actually have all the final parts in it, we're not letting anyone compete on it, not even our own players. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they do really like the feel of it, at the very least. And uh, and I hope someday that we're going to have a, a booth at, you know, the major events. And if, uh, if one of our players breaks their controller, they can come over to our, our little, like, uh, Panda Controller Genius Bar. Uh, we'll fix it up for them. Uh, and, you know, good as new. Hmm. I, I mean, when is the earliest that you think we will see these controllers in competition? I mean, is it fair for me to assume that uh, Panda players will start using it before uh, shipments start going live? Hmm. Matt, when do you think we'll get the, the prototypes at least? Like, uh, I know we had maybe a handful of prototypes we wanted to get. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I wouldn't want to give a pro player anything 3D printed to actually use just because the durability of it is, mm-hmm. is in question. Um, so we would have prototypes off of our off of the many injection molded parts that we're going to be making. Um, honestly, it would be done in the first wave of manufacturing anyways. We might get a couple like ten samples a few months earlier or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it wouldn't. Uh, I, I guess it's possible that they we could be using giving those samples to some of our players, um, or I could be selfishly keeping them. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, I guess that is a possibility. Um, and we could p- potentially. I, I don't want to promise this. Um, we could potentially fly a couple in earlier or something out of the the mass produced bunch if there was a big tournament coming up and we wanted to sell them a little bit earlier or something like that but like that would that's a big decision way down the line um 
So that's nothing. This is yeah, at. that's more, more my territory than Matt's, where I look at the finances. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and I decide the stuff. So yeah. there is, I, yeah, I do intend on influencers getting uh, the control early, uh, if if it is financially or physically, uh, you know, uh, reasonable, um, because obviously uh, we want honest reviews, uh, and they have a big platform. A lot of the biggest influencers mm-hmm. in our community are players, so. Uh, it's not just our players. I would want to fly some over to, you know, Leffen, Mango, um, and even people like Conrad's Pants reached out saying, hey, man, I love Melee. I would love to try to test out the, the controller. Uh, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, enough for them to test out. Exactly like Matt said, we're not going to give an inferior product uh, to people to test out because, you know, your first uh, interaction with it, it does really paint uh, the picture. So if we say, oh, it's just a prototype, they're not going to really, you know, internalize that. Uh, so we want to send them something that is either final or near final, um, and that would be much, much closer to release. So as soon as I would think you would start seeing this in competition, uh, if not on wood, everything goes well uh, and there's no delays, uh, it would be something like January uh, 2023 um, you know, for, for everyone. Maybe a, a few months earlier than that for uh, you know influencers and top players just because we want those reviews out there for, for people to be able to trust it. Uh, I know that it is good enough for them to use. Um, uh, oh, and Hungry Bucks also was asking me about that this weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, but uh, again, things can get delayed uh, and, you know, can't make any promises. So if anyone hears this stuff and gets mad at us later that, uh, that it's not done by then, it's all right. Like, we're, we're trying. We are. We're trying real hard. And okay, so and lastly, so the controller will cost. Well, right now it's to back it. It's ninety dollars minimum to you know get yourself a, a a unit. And then when it does launch, do you have an idea what the price will be? Um, we're not sure yet. Uh, it, it is very common for Kickstarter to be a little bit uh, less expensive than the final version. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, basically, we're looking at it, um, and it's going to cost either ninety or ninety five dollars. Uh, we were really hoping to make this controller for eighty dollars, which I know would uh, you know, would have just blown minds uh, at that price, uh, and that's the point. Yeah, uh, I'll be completely straight. Uh, we decided to go for lower margins for the controller. Um, the controller is insanely customizable, and uh, this the model that we want to create is we're not just making a controller; we're making a, a platform for self expression. Right? Everyone likes something different about a controller. And you can make this the control that you want. And all we have to do is provide accessories that are compelling enough for people to want to buy. So the weight pack, the wireless pack, we got a lot of really cool expansion pack ideas. And then the colors, you can infinitely customize it. You can make it look so cool. Uh, and not just us, but like the artists out there in, in the community. Uh, and they, they've even given us ideas that we never thought of before uh, to, to customize our controller. And we're like, that's super cool. So we really hope that this becomes, you know, uh, and this was sort of, a pipe dream. I didn't think it was going to be, uh, you know, anywhere close to that, but it, this easily could become, you know, that, that, uh, uh, sort of a lifestyle thing where, uh, you know, everyone plays smash, right? Everyone does, you know? Uh, and like, if you're at a party or something and someone's like, yeah, let's play some smash dude. And like, you're like, yeah, sure. You each bust out, you know, your own Panda controller and it's completely different. It looks totally unique. Uh, and that's the, the world I hope we one day live in. Um, so our, our profit model is mostly coming from accessories, um, and we want to do that purpose. But again, COVID had other plans, uh, so costs <laughs> went up uh, for, a, for a lot of parts, uh, and unfortunately, we did have to increase the price from what we wanted to originally. So 
Uh, that was a long-winded answer, but uh, between 90 to 95 right now. Gotcha. Well, you know, that's still within the ballpark of, uh, of, of the Kickstarter. And, you know, with that, thank you guys for, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's been nice. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwimod.com. To follow Matt and the work he does at Panda Hardware, you can follow him at Gearhawk Studios. To follow Alan, you can find him at Dr. Alan B. on Twitter. To find Panda Global, you can follow the team at Panda Global on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrique Demore and Jacob Wolf. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Sam Higgins. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.